0: Megan, do you want us to do an intro? I think we can do it. I mean, this is fun, isn't it, Ellen? We we it I, is I know really fun. I know where I'm it's going. The
1: highlight it. Of- <laughs> uh, all right, Ellen, you just go for it.
0: Leadership Next is powered by the folks at Deloitte, who, like me, are super focused on how CEOs can lead in the context of disruption and devolving societal expectations. Welcome to Leadership Next, the podcast about the changing rules of business leadership. I'm Alan Murray, and I'm here. You're already laughing, Ellen. I haven't even introduced you yet. I'm here with my (laughs) fantastic co-host, Ellen McGirt. And I want to tell our listeners, because they may not know this, they are probably not listening to it on Valentine's Day, but today is Valentine's Day, Ellen.
1: It is. It is. And I love you, Alan. I love you, Megan. I love you, too. Our wonderful producer, Opsine. But we have the perfect CEO for Valentine's Day, don't we?
0: Oh, we do. We do. We do. It's Jenna Dresos, who runs every jewelry store you know of. It's Signet Jewelers, but it's Kay's. It's...
1: Jared. He went to Jared.
0: Yeah. And and the business has a fantastic COVID story. Just an amazing transformation that's happened over the last three years. And we're so lucky to have Jenna here on her big day, on Valentine's Day. Jenna Dresos, thanks so much for joining us on Leadership Next.
2: Well, thanks for having me. It's lovely to be here.
0: So tell us about today. I mean, how big is today, really?
2: It is a big day. You know, what's so interesting, uh, Valentine's Day traditionally had been more of a holiday for people who were dating or for getting engaged. But one of the big changes that we've seen during COVID is that people are investing to celebrate those that are closest to them. You know, we've sort of culled our contact list and and are spending more time with people that we really care about. And uh, so it's become a, a bigger holiday.
1: So let's start by just establishing the baseline. How big is the company? and What are all the brands? I know I was trying to sing some of the jingles there, but how how many brands are actually (laughs) associated with Signet? (laughs) Sorry, Alan, I'll stop
2: singing. (laughs) We have five in the US market, Kay, Zales, Jared the Gallery of Jewelry, Banter by Piercing Pagoda and JamesAllen.com, which is a fast-growing, digitally native brand. We actually also just purchased uh, two other businesses in the U.S., so they are now part of us as well, making it seven, uh, and that is Roxbox, which is the leader in rental and subscription jewelry in the U.S., and Diamonds Direct. We're also the number one jeweler in Canada with People's Jewelers and number one in the U.K. with H. Samuel and Ernest Jones. So it's a great jewelry family.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, a massive global brand. And business, Jenna, is booming, right? I mean, you're seeing numbers like you've never seen before.
2: We... Um- You know, we were undergoing a transformation uh, as we came into COVID. Uh, Signet was a bit behind, especially in e-commerce, but we had started to transform our company. In fact, uh, the holiday before uh, COVID hit, we had an iPad in the hands of every one of our store personnel uh, so that they were helping people find jewelry in the store if we had it there in the cases, but also online. You know, we were in the, the beginning of being able to access inventory from across our entire fleet. You know, jewelry is different from apparel. It's not like a medium sized white t shirt. So much of what we sell is bespoke. A diamond is unique, has its own fingerprint. And so being able to find just the right one for someone um, is an, an advantage for us because now we can access our inventory from everywhere. But we had begun a digital journey, thankfully. When on March 23rd of 2020, we, um, you know, found that we needed to close our doors to keep our people safe. We, within 48 hours, stood up technology that allowed our store managers to help people, you know, from their living room, sitting on the sofa, using the iPads that they had already learned how to use in store. And so because we were on that digital journey, we were able to pivot quickly we just uh, just announced our holiday uh results um, a few weeks ago signet's best holiday season in the history of the company uh we guided at that time that we thought our revenues for our entire fiscal year which ended um just at the beginning of this month so a couple of weeks ago we guided that we thought our business would be up 42% in revenue which is really, you know, a terrific result. Of course, coming off of a slightly depressed base last year, but uh, the category, the jewelry category is also up. The jewelry category we think will grow about 30% this year, but Signet growing somewhere in the, you know, 40% plus range um, is definitely gaining market share. So it's been a, it's been a big pivot.
0: It increases my guilt that I haven't yet bought Ellen jewelry for Valentine's Day.
2: <laughs> I'm sure there's a K. Jared Dales,
1: uh near you. <laughs> I know for a fact there is, but it's the times that we spend together is so precious to me, Alan. I think that's the important takeaway here.
0: <laughs> but you'll take the jewelry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we all love a bauble. We really, we all do. Jenna, I want to talk about more about the transformation. I I know it sounded like you were already in a good place uh, from the digital point of view when the pandemic hit. You also have been talking about the cultural transformation that you've been on. And just a little bit behind the scenes reporting that it is profound. It has been a profound experience for people. Could you dig into how you assessed what needed to happen when you became CEO? And what were some of the things that had big impacts?
2: I think, Ellen, you're exactly right. Our transformation has been both strategic and cultural, with cultural being uh, probably even the more important of the two aspects. What we found was that we had become a, um, a culture that was not innovative. We weren't agile. We weren't efficient enough in how we worked. And it really wasn't a place that people were excited to be part of. Um, We didn't have the diversity that we needed to really broaden our thinking. And I learned this because when I became CEO, I went on a listening tour uh, where I basically did focus groups with our employees in all parts of the world and ask them what was great about the company and and what wasn't. And and what I found were was that there were terrific ideas throughout our organization of things that we could do differently and better, uh, but those just weren't making it to the top. So we changed that. Uh, and we, we really, d- you know, declared as one of our key strategies that we wanted to become a more agile and efficient culture. Uh, we embarked on cost savings and driving out costs that customers don't see or care about. So that we could invest in our people and in other strategic priorities like our, our, the digitization of our company becoming a more omni-channel and now even a, a connected commerce company. And our people really, really stepped up. I mean, uh-huh. we listened. We. Encourage them to bring their best selves to work, and it's made a huge difference.
0: Jenna, I always thought jewelry would be one of the last things to succumb to the e commerce revolution. I mean, as a buyer, you know, when you spend that much money on something, you kind of want to hold it in your hand and look at it and and not do it over a, a website. But you and I were on a CEO call a couple of weeks ago where you made an astounding comment, which is that today, post-COVID, 72% of purchases at your brands begin online.
2: Yes. You're not wrong about people liking to get advice, liking to see the piece of jewelry that they're buying. It is often an expensive purchase, uh, certainly one imbued with meaning, and everyone wants to get that right. So uh, we actually have, we believe, somewhere in the range of 85 plus percent of our customers have a connected journey. So they connect with us in a store or and online. So some combination of those two, um, sometimes through social media and influencers, things like that. But, it, but it is a connected journey. But many of those over 70% are starting that journey online. They're looking, hmm. they're seeing where they might find pieces that they like, uh, getting a sense for style. They're educating themselves. And one of the things that we've done is we really have, have uncovered that the most important, uh, of the jewelry purchase decision are expertise. So getting some kind of consultation or education so that you you feel like you know what you're doing. Uh, And then visualization is important. And so we uh, have proprietary ways that we can show diamonds. We take pictures of them, you know, hundreds of photographs of a single diamond and then can blow it up 40 times in HD and show it to you on a computer screen. And you can actually see a diamond better on the screen than you can in person trying to use a loop. So we've really tried to bring these two things, this consultation and visualization uh, to to customers wherever and and however they want to shop
0: with us. Two quick follow-ups, if you'll uh, let me, Ellen, that I think are relevant to that. One is that 72%, what was it prior to the pandemic? And second is How many stores do you currently have and is that number going to go up or down?
2: We don't have the data to say exactly what we think that journey was before the pandemic. But if I had to guess, I would say orders of magnitude, probably half or less. What I can tell you is our e-commerce as a percent of our sales has quadrupled since before the pandemic. So when we began our transformation, only about 5% of sales were e-commerce. And now we're typically in the high teens, low 20s as a percent. Wow. Now, of course, this connected journey is what's so important. So we still have, you know, then 80% of people who are finalizing their sale in a store. They might have done that through buy online pickup in store. They might have done a curbside pickup, but they're, they're getting that, that last step typically at the store level. And then in terms of stores, that's been a big part of uh, the financial progress and I think consumer experience that we've brought during our transformation. Uh, We've closed about 22% of our stores Mm. uh, since our transformation began. We've also opened stores in better locations. We did that based on data. We really took a a white sheet of paper and mapped the country and said if we were going to plant store number one, where should it be? And went from there. We also differentiated our banners. When we began our transformation, K and Zales were very similar. You almost couldn't tell the difference. And we really, you know, did our homework on, on who the customer is for those different banners. We separated the assortment, the experience. So we're speaking to different customers. And the combination of those two things really has allowed us to, um, to optimize our store footprint. So now we have a competitive advantage because we have the best digital experience that you can get in jewelry. And we still have a broad but optimized store footprint with stores in the right places. So they're convenient for people to be able to go in if they want to.
0: I'm here with Joe Yukazoglu, who is CEO of Deloitte U.S. and had the good sense to sponsor this podcast. Joe, thanks for being with us and thanks for your support. Thanks, Alan. Pleasure to be here. So, Joe, one of the surprises we saw in 2020 in the midst of a lot of bad news was some good news, an acceleration in the adoption of digital technology. Do you think that's going to continue?
3: I do, Alan, and I would say that the cause for optimism is warranted. There are Going to be some pretty significant dividends that come from the massive acceleration in all things digital. We're going to see significant benefits to the economy from the big digital transformation investments the companies are making. I think we're going to see big benefits to people in terms of quality of life as we see new models for working that allow greater flexibility, productivity. So people were forced
0: to innovate in 2020 because an extreme change of circumstances was forced upon them. Can they keep up that pace of innovation?
3: Well, that's the challenge for all of us as leaders. I saw a great quote in one of your interviews, Alan, that in this period of time, change was free because the alternative to change was even worse. We all have to look back on the way in which we moved so quickly we broke some glass, we didn't let corporate bureaucracy get in the way, and it actually benefited all of us significantly and leveraged that mindset going forward to act more quickly, to be less inhibited by risk, and to see the true benefit of embedding digital transformation and an agile mindset within the way that our organizations operate on a go-forward basis. Joe, thank you. Alan, pleasure to be here.
1: Jenna, I want to circle back to your own leadership journey because it's a big part of what we talk about here. I love the fact that the first thing you did was a really in-depth listening tour to understand what wasn't working and what kind of ideas were out there. Can you talk a little bit about what you were listening for and the kinds of ideas that you were willing to take and invest in?
2: I I guess two important aspects of my leadership style are, number one, that uh, I believe that we must be humble and, and really listening is the right way to learn. I believe in diversity as a strategic imperative for a business. And these two connect because the one thing that leaders can never see are our own blind spots. And when you surround yourself with people who think differently from you or you ask for their point of view, you learn things that are very important. And and that's what happened to me on my listening tour. We also had core values as a company, um, and, and many of them were very good ones, but they were long, you know, hundreds of words to describe our values. Uh, We went to our team members and we said, help us create core values that can become part of our language that we can use every day. And we came up with nine words, five core values uh, described in nine words that people now use as part of their vernacular. One of them that um, was very important to us, always is, but especially during COVID, is people first, We really put our people first. We put safety um, at the top of our list. We developed a cleaning protocol for jewelry. For example, we worked with a a leading medical uh, institution to develop a bespoke cleaning protocol to keep our people safe. We called it our Love Takes Care program. Uh, So that's very important. Another of the core values that our people came up with uh, is straight talk. Ah. You know, really telling it like it is. You know, it's a very fast-paced environment that we're in. Retail is always evolving. It moves very quickly. And you have to have straight talk with people to uh, to be able to be agile and to move as quickly as we need to. So those are just two, but uh, our team really did a great job, I think, coming up with both the strategies and the core values to guide us.
0: Jenna, where does your leadership style come from? Where did you learn it? Who were your mentors? What? I'm fascinated by what you describe. I'm not sure 10 years ago that would have been the received wisdom of leadership.
2: I, I definitely um, started with great mentors in my parents. They were both uh, very strong, um, very equal in their relationship, which I think is great. Always very fair. My father was an attorney and my mother a school teacher. Uh, and education was very important. So one of the aspects of my leadership that I definitely took from them is being a continual learner. I think the best leaders are are always open to new ideas, always leading change, um uh, because if if you're not leading change, then change will happen to you or your company in ways that you haven't anticipated. So being a continual learner and really trying to, you know, think about equity and justice um, are important aspects I took from them. And then I, uh, I had a, a long career. Um, as you know, at Procter and Gamble, I led the global beauty business there. Um, it was a, a very entrepreneurial journey inside a big company. We created the number one beauty company inside a soap and diaper company through a lot of global expansion and acquisitions and things like that. And. One of the things that I learned there is how important it is to be decisive. You know, you listen, you get great ideas, you make sure you've surrounded yourself with diverse points of view, but then the leader really needs to have a clear vision, common set of values, and be decisive to help the organization move forward. And I had great mentors at Procter & Gamble as well.
1: I wanna switch gears a little bit and talk about diamonds and some of the problematic ingredients that go into jewelry. I think I have this right, that Signet has been filing conflict mineral reports beyond what was necessary for quite a while. Could you talk a little bit about why that's important and how you think about the broader footprint that Signet has in the world?
2: Right. Well, one thing I can tell you with great confidence is that there are no problematic ingredients in, uh, in our products. All of the jewelry that we sell uh, is conflict-free, and we are very, very thoughtful about human rights and making sure that's um, that sustainability is part of our equation. We are founders of the Responsible Jewelry Council. This is a governing body of the jewelry industry that goes to suppliers and confirms uh, that they are consistent with the values that we've put forward. We're part of the World Diamond Council. We are part of many uh who are doing really great things uh, in some of the markets where we source our diamonds. Botswana, for example, the educational system there and the healthcare system is significantly improved through a lot of the efforts of Signet and and other companies. So we have been a leader in this area for a long time. We've declared UN sustainability goals um, and, and are proudly moving in the direction of achieving
0: those. But this is this supply chain. And Ellen, thanks for getting us into supply chain. That this is a tough business. I mean, you know, you're dealing in diamonds that you know may have changed hands several times, and pushing way back into the supply chain and making sure you're comfortable with how they are mined, how they've been treated since then. You made a statement at the beginning of that that said you're confident that there is no problem with your supply chain. Can you really be that confident about such complicated supply chains in complicated countries?
2: Yes. um, Yes, I can. Uh, And it is very important to us. The way that we are confident is multifold. So number one, We are a direct site holder. Uh, We buy diamonds directly from the companies that mine them, so we know that they haven't changed hands. We cut and polish many of them ourselves at our own factory in Botswana, uh, which is great. And we can actually document every step in that process for our customers who are interested in that. We also have a uh, strategic group of suppliers that we work with and that we have worked with for a long time. And we require traceability uh, in our supply chain for them to be a supplier of Signet. So it's, it's, you know, very important to us.
0: And do you do that because it's the right thing to do? Or do you do it because your customers demand it? Or you, do you do it for both reasons?
2: It's a combination of both. Honestly, everything that we do as a company is because it's the right thing to do. I mean, as Ellen said, we were publishing, you know, our own sustainability reports and sourcing reports long before customers were asking these questions because it's the right thing to do. But more and more customers do care. Uh, Gen Z is a, and you know, they, they will change the world. There's no question that this generation will make a profound difference because values matter to them. Them and they want to know that they are buying from companies that share their values. So, speaking of Gen Z,
1: one of the big issues facing all leaders at every level is talent and finding the, and nurturing the next talent. And so, pathways to the top, to pathways to the executive suite, are changing and they should continue to change. So, I'm curious. In addition to all the ideas that you saw, you met lots and lots of people as you're and now as you're getting to know the company. How did you begin to think about? how people who may have been overlooked for promotions or for investment make sure that they know they have a path forward the way i like to say it is you know how do you know that the black mom who's a manager somewhere in middle america knows that she could possibly be the ceo of this company
2: Well, Ellen, I'm going to start with the end result on that one, and then I'll tell you kind of how we got there. But I'm very, very proud of the diversity and inclusion um, that we have at Signet. We have a highly diverse board. Uh, Two-thirds of all of our directors are either people of color or uh, women or both, Um, and so very diverse from the top of the organization. Uh, More than half of my leadership team uh, has been women for a number of years now. But what we found was that we did not have as many uh, persons of color in leadership roles as we needed to have a truly diverse organization. As I mentioned, I um, believe in, in diversity as a strategic imperative. It's how companies think in more agile and innovative ways. And so we went into our organization and found great leaders who were interested in accelerating their career. And then we put them in challenging roles to really help broaden their responsibility We founded a mentoring program. I myself, for example, am a mentor of one of our vice presidents, an African American woman in who leads Zales for our entire Western region. Uh and that's a new role for her. She was promoted a little over a year ago. Uh and I have a monthly mentoring call with her where we spend an hour and we talk about our leadership challenges. And it's a very safe space um, for her to be able to share ideas or bounce things off of me or tell me about a, you know, personnel issue she's been dealing with or you know yeah. what Whatever it is. Um, And it's not a vice president talking to the CEO. It's two leaders talking to each other in a a safe space where, you know, we can grow and develop. So that kind of thing is going on all across our company. And it's a, a wonderful way to find talent, challenge them with responsibilities, but surround them with the kind of education and support they need to be successful.
0: Jenna, we have a couple of questions we've been asking everybody on the podcast since the beginning of the year, and I'm going to let Ellen ask them because I've forgotten what they are, but I know Ellen (laughs)
1: knows. (laughs) This is our lightning round, Jenna. We're asking everybody just to give us a pulse of what they're thinking about on three separate topics. Uh, The first question is, what's top of mind for you about COVID?
2: I think right now it's what the work um, place will be like of the future. Uh, we've all done such a great job working in a hybrid kind of an environment, sometimes in the office when collaboration or innovation are important, but a lot of times on a Zoom call or a, you know, a Teams call from home. Um, I think people have really loved the flexibility that that's given them. It's really, I've talked to a lot of moms and dads in our organization who love the fact that they can, um, you know to be there when the children get home from school or that they can have lunch with their teenager, you know, who's doing Zoom school, that kind of thing. So I think it's really, it's given people a renewed, you know, commitment to wanting to be able to have some flexibility. And I think the companies that lean into that will have the best talent wanting to flock to them. So that's how we're thinking. We're planning uh, as we come back into the office to do that for very intentional reasons. Like I mentioned, building relationships, collaboration, innovation, but we're not coming back in just because it's the way it used to, it used to be. All right. Well,
1: the next one is um, Alan's favorite. Top of mind for you when it comes to the economy.
2: You know, it's a it's a very interesting time. I mean, obviously, we've seen inflation at 40 year highs that, you know, that puts pressure on consumers, especially for discretionary spending. I mentioned the jewelry category grew 30% last year. I don't expect it to grow that uh, quickly in an inflationary environment. I think it will normalize back to, you know, one, 2, 3% growth like we've seen over the last decade, potentially. But what I do think is enduring is people wanting to celebrate those that they love the most. So that, that bodes well, I think, for our category going forward. And the
1: last one really quickly, what is top of mind for you as a leader on your
2: own leadership journey? I mentioned one of the hallmarks of my career has been continually learning. Uh, I just, I love to grow. I love to be able to help people grow to achieve, you know, their important life aspirations. Um, but I love that for myself too. I, I always love a challenge. I, I think transformational leadership is something I have always, you know, sought out. And, and retail is a great place for that because there's so many new things that we can bring for customers. Um, and. And we have those coming all the time. Our digital team is launching more than 100 new features every quarter. Wow! wow. And I love, I just wow. love going through it with them. And I love that seeing the creativity come to life. It, it's great.
0: Great. Thank you for taking the time to be with us and congratulations on your success.
2: Well, thank you so much. It's I uh, really congratulations to the Signet team. So they, they are awesome. Thank you.
0: Leadership Next is edited by Nicole Vergala, written by me, Alan Murray, along with my amazing colleagues, Ellen McGirt and Megan Arnold. Our theme is by Jason Snell. Executive producers are Mason Cohn and Megan Arnold. Leadership Next is a production of Fortune Media.